It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Hello, good evening, welcome to a very special recording. End of the season, we're here, we're live at the iconic 100 Club. Hooray! Thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Lee. Before we kick off, don't forget the season. Thankfully, we've been, uh, we've been backed by Labbrooks, bringing you plenty of special bets. You can still get them, especially in the World Cup coming up now. Go to bet.spurshow.net. Get your free bet there. And also, you can join us at these events by getting a Tottenham season ticket. A lot of people here have got season tickets. Uh, I think it's 10 quid a month. And we're going to do them throughout the World Cup as well. We'll do special World Cup shows and all of next season. Uh, so support the podcast by going to season.spurshow.net and signing up and getting a season ticket. Joining me tonight on this special recording, my co-host, Mr. Theo Delaney. Hello, everyone. And our very special guest, we're absolutely honoured to have him here tonight. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, a player who really is Spurs through and through. Please welcome to the stage, Mr. Ryan Mason. What a, what a welcome that was, Ryan. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you giving up your time and being here this evening. Just talk nice. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, obviously. It's a great reception, so I appreciate all of it. I've had, I've had some fantastic support since, obviously, the incident, before the incident, when, when I was a player, and um, it's, it's nice to come here and say thanks to everyone. I, I went, went out at half-time at Wembley the other day to thank the fans, and... Um, no, see, it's important that I do that because they've been a great support for me. Well, tonight we're going to look back at your, your career. And, you know, again, for those of you at home that might not know, is, is what we're going to talk about now is, you know, Ryan has been at Spurs f- for such a long time. And you started off originally in the youth system. You're like seven or eight. Was seven, that right? Seven, seven yeah, years old. Yeah. Can you remember, that was a long time ago, how did you start? Who first took you to Spurs? What was it like being that young and being at Tottenham and, you know, all those early, early, and also during those early years, any other players that you played when you were really young that maybe also become professionals as well? What was it like in those very early days? Yeah, well, obviously, um, I, I went to my first local club. It was called East Starts when I was six years old and um, I played for like three months there and then Mickey Hazard, obviously everyone knows Mickey. Yeah. Great! He, um, he used to do a soccer school in the summer, so 
my old man took me down there. I had a week down there, and after the week, um, Mickey gave us a call and said, come down to Spurs. Uh, we want to have a look at you and, and see what you can do. And then, obviously, I remember my old man telling me I was at my granddad's. He told me, obviously, I got excited. I was buzzing, and he just said to, to relax, like it's just a trial, and um, just see what happens. And, and obviously, never really looked back, to be honest. It must be amazing being that, because you're a Spurs fan and, and grew up in the area. Yeah, it was incredible. It, it was like, it was what I wanted. Um, obviously, answer your question before, I played with Adam Smith, who plays in the Premier League now. He, he was at the club from seven. He's, um, he's still my best mate now. So that's quite a story, both coming through the club from, from seven years old. We both made our first start together against Carlisle away in the Carling Cup. So, so that, that, was, that was a crazy experience. Andros Townsend as well, he... He joined us, well, I think, when we was nine. So, I mean, we had three of us that come through the, the system. I mean, that's very rare for something like that to happen at a top Premier League club. And, um, yeah, I mean, just fortunate to, to be the club that I, I wanted to play for as well. And those early days, any of those sort of coaches from that age through to becoming a professional that you think, looking back, were a really big influence on your career? I'd probably say Mickey, um, because we, we still keep in touch now. We, we've got a good good friendship. He used to he used to take me. He has a he has a gaff in France, I think it is. And um, I mean, I know his two sons, Nick and Tony, and he used to take us away with him in the summer. And I used to train with Mickey's two boys, and um, we used to do little two v twos and that. And obviously, he was such an intelligent player and um, very technical. I, I'd probably learnt most of my technical stuff from him because he was constantly coaching me and um, trying to improve me as a player so I'd probably like give most of the credit from Spurs to, to him nice. and then moving forward now 2008 when you made your first team, we just gave it out actually first team debut against NEC the Dutch team but that season before you played you were in the academy team you, you banged in 29 goals in 31 games Positionally, did you think maybe moving on you'd be like a sort of number 10? I mean, you're banging that amount of goals. How did you play differently then to then, obviously, when you got in the team? Was it sort of. It, it was obviously literally a case of being a number 10. I mean, that, that season, I think the first season I was a scholar, I scored, I think I scored 28 in all competitions. Then the next season I scored 42. And um, I see myself as a number 10. That, that was my position. Um, obviously, when you go into man's football, you have to adapt, you change. I went, I went on loan to Yeovil when I was 18 years old and they played 4-4-2. And obviously, there wasn't a position, there wasn't a number 10, there, there wasn't that role. So I had to adapt and um, I kind of went deeper and, and played a number eight. Obviously, learned a different side to the game. And um, I was still adamant that when I played for Spurs, which I always believed I would, that that would be as a number 10. And um, obviously that, that didn't happen. But at the end of the day, I, I was willing to, to play in a position that, that was a bit alien to me. And um, it was something I had to learn a bit later on in my career to, to play in the Premier League and to, to play for Spurs. Ryan, didn't you once play as a number 10 against Everton in the uh, Premier League? Yeah, that, that was the only, the only match uh, the gaffer played me as a number 10. And I thought I had a really good game. I missed a couple of chances. Tim Howard made a few good saves from me. And I, I thought if, it, if I probably notched the goal, then maybe he would have stuck with me as a number 10. But it wasn't to be. I remember the next game, though, he, he played me as a, as a number 8 again against Sunderland away. And... Obviously, I felt really fit then. I scored the goal, I got the injury, and um, that was probably the start of the, the end for me at Spurs, to be honest. I remember that Sunderland game so well, because there's a pub in Crouch and me and Rob White go to sometimes where they always have every Tottenham game. And you had a fantastic game that day, because I remember when you scored the goal, everyone was saying he was already man of the match before he scored the goal, but, and then you got an injury, which was a terrible turn of events, because you'd, you'd been the best player on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, like I say, my confidence was very high at that point because um, I, I think I started the first five or six games that season and I'll be honest, I thought I was probably the best performer over that period yeah. of time for the club. I mean, Harry Harry never scores in August, so yeah. he wasn't... Yeah. He wasn't uh, so no, no problem with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> obviously I felt really good. I'd just come off the back of being a, in the England squad as well. Yeah. I, I didn't play in, in that them two games but I felt really confident and um, like I say after that injury I, I was out for about eight, eight to nine weeks and it, it lingered for the whole season and we went on a crazy unbeaten 
yeah. run. Obviously, Musa come into the team and um, he was playing really well. So it was yeah. really difficult was he, for me to. He had a renaissance because uh, he hadn't. Was that where he turned everything around? Because he'd been. He suddenly came in and he was suddenly went up a level and looked great. And you'd got that injury. It was just bad timing from your point of view, I suppose. Yeah, I mean that, that's football. That's, yeah. that's part and parcel of the game. Obviously, when when I got my opportunity against Arsenal, um, that was in place of Musa, and obviously. I played, played all right. The gaffer stuck with me. And for the rest of the season, Musa couldn't get back in the team. Yeah. So that's just part of football. You, you have to accept that. Um, like I say, it's just part of the game. Yeah. Going back to, you, you mentioned Yeovil, 2009. What was that like being a sort of, you know, Enfield boy, Spurs through and through? You're going to Yeovil. I mean, was that a bit of a culture shock? I mean, what was it like when you showed up there? Yeah. Away it, from your family and everything. I mean, it's a long way away. It was a very long way, but in, in my eyes, that, that's what I was working towards. It, it was league football. I mean, a, a lot of young kids nowadays get caught up on reserve team football and, and development games, but for me, it was all about getting out in the real world, learning a different side to the game, because I think if you, if you limit yourself to just playing for, for a club like Tottenham, then you, you've only got a chance of playing for Tottenham, whereas in, in my eyes, if I didn't make it at Tottenham, then I knew I could cut it everywhere else, because... I went to Yeovil at 18 and I fought it out in a relegation battle. Um, I was probably about 10 stone, dripping wet, playing defensive centre-mid against men who were three or four stone heavier than me. So that, that was a big, big experience for me. And then after that, you went to the... Well, they just got a championship team, went to Don, Doncaster Rovers. What was that like compared to Yeovil? Did it really feel like a step up? Yeah, I remember, I remember Doncaster at that point they had a really good reputation for, for playing good football. They had Sean O'Driscoll as the gaffer and um, I think the previous season they finished 10th. When I, when I went there up until Christmas we were fourth in the table so it, it was like the perfect step for me because Sean seen me play for Yeovil and he see that I was a technical player and he, he said that you'd be ideal for us. Um, I didn't get as much game time as I'd wanted to, to be honest. He, he was a bit wary of putting me in for some reason. I, I think I only played 15 games that season. I had a couple of little injuries, but I mean, the same thing again. The team were doing so well that it, it was difficult for, for me to break into the team, but it, it was a step up from the previous season. 15 games in the championship as a 19-year-old were was a step up from 30 games as an 18-year-old in League One. Because you then you again came back and signed a, a new contract with Spurs, but you were then sent back to Doncaster. Were you kind of thinking, it's not going to work for me, the team I really want to play for at that stage? No, it's funny because um, John McDermott, the academy director, the, the coach, he, he always said to me, I, I was always a late developer um, from a young kid. I, I remember when I went into the club, uh, I think I was, I was 16, I was probably only about five foot two. And in the space of 18 months, I, I shot up to five foot 10. It, it was crazy. So John always said to me that, we're going to judge you when you're 22, 23 years old. It's not a case of needing to play in the Premier League at Tottenham at 20, even though he and a lot of people believe that I should have been there. Um, he said that we'll stay patient and um, wait until you're a little bit older. That's very canny judgment by him, isn't it? Because I remember Alex Ferguson saying about Lingard, who's now like, he said he won't, he's going to be a special player, but you've got to wait till he's about 24. It might have been a similar thing. I don't know if it was his physiology or, some, or something like that. Yeah, I think it's down to physically. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people develop at different stages of their, their career. You see some kids who are 12, 13 years old and they're fully developed and yeah. quite they scary. stand out. But, yeah. I mean, eventually it all evens itself out in terms of physicality. And yeah. I've always found that's when the the lads that weren't as physically developed, they, they usually shine through because at young ages they have to think of ways of getting by without using their physical Being strength clever. and um, yeah. I've read up a lot on it and there's a lot of stats that say if you're born sort of May onwards May mm. to, to August you've, you've got a higher percentage of making it and um, mm -hmm. I, I can see why that is the case yeah you then you then went on loan with Harry Kane to Millwall yeah what was that like with the fans two Spurs boys young Spurs boys going down to Millwall I mean we had um we had last month we had Adam Mullery, the ex Spurs player. <laughs> he told us the story if you did the podcast, he told us the story about playing against Millwall in the sixties in the League Cup, whereby as they were warming up uh, before the game, two Millwall fans ran on the pitch with a small gallows and a cockwheel and hung it <laughs> in front of the in front of the Spurs players. I mean it's Millwall, I mean they're scum. Yeah. Uh, what was it like then 
going in the dressing room, you come from Tottenham. Was that a real step up in sort of growing up? Yeah, well, the boys, all the boys, I mean, everyone at the club were completely fine, but it's funny <laughs> you say that because my, my first game for Millwall was at the Den and um, I think we had Watford. I, I was warming up and um, one of the lads kicked the balls near the advertising boards and um, I went over there to get it and it, it was in the family section, this, this part of the crowd, and um, I went over there and there was these two old dears, probably about 60, 70, and they actually said to me to F off back to Spurs, you see you NT. I love it. I turned around and I, I just had to laugh. To laugh so. <laughs> what am I doing here? Really? This, yeah. These are the home fans. Well, I, yeah, I, I love it that you two young lads from Tottenham, you know, you've gone there, you've, you've been to Doncaster, you've been, you've been to some grim places, but, no, but nothing like as grim as that, and that's the middle of London. No, I mean, but, it, it definitely built me up as a character. Yeah, because... but the incredible thing is, yeah. the two of you are there thinking, Jesus Christ, this is like hostile, but you both, these are two future England, you've both gone on to play for England. Uh, do you think that was a part of your development, going there and encountering those two old ladies? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and all their friends, obviously, I mean, over the months. I think you're under pressure to perform every game as it is, but yeah. as a Tottenham player at Millwall... Yeah, you've really I mean, got it, to be special. Yeah, yeah, you have to. I mean, if you lose the ball once, then the fans are on you, so... It, it, was a, it was a big eye-opener. Um, I also played Upton Park against West Ham 4 Millwall. Wow. So, um, wow. I, was, I was getting it from the West Ham fans, <laughs> and then and I was the getting home, it from the Millwall as well. So yeah. It was literally just non-stop. Yeah. <laughs> so what, yeah, I suppose character building is the phrase that springs to mind. Yeah, right? well, it toughens you up. Yeah. I mean, like I say, there's, there's so much pressure on... Um, top players and, and when you play for a club like Spurs you're expected to perform and, and win yeah. every every single week so yeah. it definitely it got me used to that pressure you know I think sometimes young kids can have it too easy and um, yeah. it can be okay to have bad games and that but I think when you go to places like that they don't accept it I think if, if you're out there not putting the work in then then they'll, they'll come for you yeah you, you then came back to Spurs and, and finally kind of had your first games it was Lazio and then Carlisle in the space of a week did you kind of think that's it I've now I'm going to stay at the club or did you still think they might move me back to a, a, another lonely club I think it was strange because um, AVB was the gaffer then and I mean he he didn't like young kids he he, he really didn't I mean he, he didn't want to play not in that way no. not, it's not an Arsene Wenger joke <laughs> sorry sorry really grow up he didn't mean that. Honestly. Yeah. He didn't like young adults. Um, <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, obviously, he, he's not a manager that, that likes to play the, the youth team. And I mean, even though I started that, that cup ground, I think I played four or five games for him. I just, I didn't get the feeling that he, he really wanted me to, to be playing in the team. So, um, it, w it was quite difficult. I mean, um, I felt like I deserved to play at that point. I was training very well, um, but I just weren't getting the opportunities uh, that I felt I deserved. You then went, I think this is the most bizarre moment of your career for a fan, you then went to Lorient in France and then never played a game. What, what happened there? What was the story behind that? Well, um, I remember I went, and, I went and spoke to the gaffer AVB and I said, look, I want to go out alone. I want to get some games. Where, where do you think I should go? Because I, I had sort of four or five clubs in the championship that wanted me. And um, I said, do you value that? Or, or do you value me going somewhere else? Because there was, there was a club in Holland that wanted me and, and also obviously Lorient in France. And um, he basically said, if you can go and get five to ten games in, in the French League one, then you'd come back and I'd view you as a, um, as a first team player. So... I spoke to the club in France and um, they said, come down and... Um, How does that said, work for, for us? So what, your agent? How well, yeah, it, it was, agent it was, it was agents. I mean, ultimately, this one was a bizarre situation because uh, the chairman of the club, he, he phoned Spurs and he asked for me. Um, I don't know whether it was a... I wouldn't say political, but I, I don't know what the incentive was behind it because I went there and... I trained really well for the first couple of weeks. Where is Laurie? I, I generally it's don't in know. Brittany. It's in, it's North, in Brittany, okay. um, northwest France. Yeah, so um, I went there. I was training really well. I thought I thought I was going to play. I went in the squads. Um, I went and spoke to the gaffer, and I just said like, like, what can I do to 
to get in the team and he said, I, I didn't need you, I didn't want you, the, the chairman uh. done the deal. Yeah, so he, he basically said to me after two weeks, he said, uh, you got you can no go, chance. He said, you can go back to Tottenham if you want because we've got enough midfielders and um, I said to him, no, like, I'm going to stay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work my way into the team and I tried, um, I was on the bench for a couple of games but I, I just couldn't in the end. I mean, uh, the team, I think they finished sixth and there was no injuries. Uh, it, it wasn't a case of bad form or anything, so I couldn't even get a sniff. So strange, that, that situation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that happen in football that people don't see. I mean, yeah. I, was 20, I think I was 20 years of, 20 years of age right. in a foreign country. I couldn't speak the language and I wasn't playing football. So it was very difficult. I was out there for like four and a half months yeah. on my own and... Right. Um, it was tough. It was, it was mentally very tough. I think it, it definitely strengthened me up. Um, I remember phoning my agent and I, I, I just said to him, next year I, I want to go. I want to go somewhere. I need to play games. I, I need to play as a number 10 because I want to score goals and I want people to, to start looking at me again as, mm. as that kind of player. Yeah. Then you came back, you went to Swindon. Now Swindon's obviously got a bit of a Tottenham tradition with our dealers, Hoddle, Mickey Hazard and various things. What was Swindon like? Because they kind of play... But they used to play the right kind of way, didn't they? Did that, well, help you? that was the attraction. I mean, um, I, I, had, I had so many championship clubs that come in for me at that point, And um, I spoke to the Swindon manager, Mark Cooper. He said, you're going to come, you're going to play every week, you're going to play as a number 10, we're going to get you on the ball and get you scoring goals. And um, that was all I needed to hear. You know, these championship clubs were saying they wanted me to play as a, as a deep central midfielder. And I just, I just didn't see myself as that player. So... I preferred to step down a, another league to, to come back up again because I, I was always confident that if people see me in the light of day, which kind of player I felt I was, then I would excel and I, I'd be back in the Premier League as, as soon as I could. It all changed round now. It all, it all went good under our present manager, Monsieur Pochettino, and we're going to talk about that now. We're going to talk about that now after this very quick break. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. And we're back. Seamless. What a break. Do you have a nice break? Do you go to the toilet? Do you get drinks? That was good, wasn't it? Right. Uh, this is a... When I read this, I must admit I started tearing up. This is a quote. I'm sure you've, you must have heard this. This is the quote from Monsieur Pochettino about you. Um, I won't do the accent. Um... <laughs> I remember very well how we found him. The first day in the gym, sitting with his head down and so sad, I asked Jesus, the assistant, who is this guy? He says, oh, Ryan Mason. The last five seasons, he's always on loan, never played, suffered a lot of injuries. And it was difficult because from the beginning, he had to cope with the training sessions, which you know are very tough. We went to America and I met him at the airport. And after half an hour, I said to Jesus, I love Ryan. I don't know if he plays well or not, but I love him as a man. Then the first game we played in Seattle, after a few training sessions, he understood everything. The tactics, the movement, the timing, things that another player would need one season to understand, understand the concept. And then it was easy, because he started to show great quality and was a great help. That, I mean, that is lovely, isn't it, <laughs> to hear that from such a great manager that immediately got you, saw what you could do and just believed in you. Yeah, I mean, that, that was everything that I needed as a player you know it, it gave me a great deal of confidence I remember that day when he see me in the gym I, I was down because you always have testings a couple of days before pre-season to see how you come back in and Spurs have this machine where where you have to you have to pull your hamstrings really tight to, to test the strength on them it's, it's a load of rubbish to be honest it, it means nothing I I I'd done I'd done it without a warm-up and um, my hammy just cramped up and I remember we had training like the next day and I was just thinking oh no, the new gaffer's coming in, I'm going to miss training. But I, I got through that first week. I remember I was, I was taking painkillers. I was, I was doing everything. Couldn't, I couldn't sprint. I basically couldn't sprint. But I got through the week. And then, and then like you say, we, we, we went to our, out to America. And um, he was brilliant with me. He, he was, he's, he's been brilliant ever since. What happens for professional football pre-season? Because, I mean, you know, we go on holiday. We'll have eight Cornettos, drink... <laughs> Pringles, Doritos. What, what's for a professional player is like kicking bat a bit on pre-season? What would you do? 
what do you do like eating do you change things or you just stay as you do for the rest of the year well i think it's important to have a couple of weeks just off because for 50 weeks of the year it is so intense i mean the the training load you have to rest you have to sleep you have to stay hydrated you have to sacrifice a lot of social life you you have to eat the right thing so there's a big commitment in in going towards playing at the highest level because you need to be 100% every single day. Um, gone are the days where pre-season is, is a break. I mean, nowadays you, you have two weeks off and then they give you a programme and you're expected to come back in that first day of pre-season basically fully fit. So it's, um, it's completely different to, to what it used to be. I mean, back in the day, you'd, you'd put on a stone and then you'd have pre-season to work it off, which, which I don't see a problem. You know, I think that's what pre-season is for. Pre-season's for for getting fit I think your body your body needs a rest because football nowadays in the Premier League is, is played at such an intensity that to be expected to to stay at that level for throughout the whole year is um it's it's a lot it's it's a lot for the players to take on I think you see it now when when the national teams go to the World Cup especially in England because the intensity of the league is um it catches up on them so so during the pre-season you take two weeks off what, what, what will you do when you say you, you know you can sort of not let yourself go? What will you do in those two weeks you wouldn't do the rest? What, what kind of things would you then eat that you wouldn't normally eat? Everything, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, throughout the season, it, if you've got a Saturday to Saturday game, then you can go out after the game Saturday. Uh, I mean, some lads like to have a drink. Um, you can have a dessert. You can eat carbs. You can do whatever. But how many? Des- what do you mean? Say dessert. Well, what kind of dessert? I'm, I just generally like, interested. Like, calm yourself. Would you eat a whole tub of Harkin Dahls like most people <laughs> here? Well, me and my missus, we usually have a dessert and then... Right. Oh, no, a brother's in here. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <No. laughs> and what about like late night? I, I, I don't know if you're a drinker. Would you have a drink then or, or, or well, not? I'll be honest, when, when I was younger, I used, to, I used to go out drinking, not a lot, but if I'd go out after a game, I'd have a drink, and um, I remember when, when the gaffer come in at Spurs, I, I said to myself, that's it, I'm not, I'm not touching drink now for, for the rest of my career, because I want to I wanna get the most out of it and, and play for as long as I can, and, and do everything in my power to, to be the best I can every day, and um, I, didn't, I didn't have a drink, and I mean, I still don't drink now, obviously, after my injury, it's... It's changed a lot. It, it's a bit of a worry going out getting drunk with yeah. with my sort of my, my head. So um, yeah, I mean I, I didn't drink under the gaffer and so I took that on. You mean when you say the gaffer, you mean Pochettino? Yes. So, yeah. but before that, you, you'd have a drink after. Well, you. I wouldn't so, say I was a drinker. No, but, no, but you'd have a um, no, no. Yeah, but you'd, I mean, it was I, a poor Gascoigne. No, you'd, 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 uh, you'd have a game. Yeah, yeah. And then I, you'd go out and have a couple of beers with the guys, which no, is perfectly, perfectly entitled to do. Of I mean, course. a lot of lads do that now. Probably I mean, still do it now. Yeah, after yeah. a game. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, but it's. But it's, what was it about Pochettino that changed it? Was it because you thought this guy understands me? And I've got a chance here, so I'm going to give it everything now. It, it was more the fact that what he'd done at Southampton with bringing the young kids through. Right. Um, so you knew that, that this I was see, a real opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it was probably the only manager where I thought I'll play under him. I mean, Tim was manager of the season yeah. that I was on loan at Swindon. And I mean, I, I know 100% I would have played with him because he loved me. He, he phoned me up the day he got the job and said, can I get you back? Because I, I want you to start this weekend. And right. That wasn't the case. Obviously, I'd signed the whole season, so that was tough because there were there was young lads that, that were playing in, in my position where I knew that I would be playing if I was at the club. So that was difficult. But but like I say, when, when I see the gaffer get appointed, it it was it was a massive opportunity for me. So tactically and sort of motivational wise, because you you mentioned Show and AVB, what was it at that stage under Pochettino where it clear what? What kind of things would he do and say in training and just one-to-one that made you kind of step up and think, yeah, I'm going to run through walls for this person? Well, I think, I think it's no secret. There, there was probably a few bad eggs at Tottenham at that time. And yeah. um, a lot of managers never stood up to him. They, they were scared to stand up to him. It was a case of the players probably being in control of, of the managers, really. And... Um, I obviously I, I was so desperate to play for Spurs. That that was my my aim. It helped because I had <laughs> I had I had Harry. I had I had some other boys, and 
I remember the first couple of weeks of pre-season, there was a few lads sort of, I wouldn't say sacking it off, but probably not giving as much as they should. And me, me, Harry, a few of the other boys, we'd call them out. We'd, we had, I had arguments. I mean, I squared up to a couple of senior players. Really? Uh, yeah, because... Uh, <laughs> this, you know what? This is, a, this is amazing to hear, because we, we thought that was going on. But, of course, that never gets out. But we, we kind of felt like that, 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 yeah, that well, must have been going on. Yeah, it was a power struggle, right? I think that's why... <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's why now the fans see the connection with, with yeah. the club and players and I think that stage where the gaffer come in was probably a major part of that because um, that connection was back between the fans and players which probably went for a couple of years I mean you've got players at the club now that actually care about the club and, yeah. and want to play and if you're a new player coming into that training environment then you can't cut no corners if you're not putting the work in then then you get called out on it yeah if those players have left the club can you mention any names <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, i'll be honest uh, i i am going to write a book and i'd like to save them from the book <laughs> i can't give all the juice i think we know well at the time i was writing a Go blog on. on the huffington post and it was it became very obvious it was you know we in fact i think we called it the cabal cabal um you it's know we record we'll mention names and it i'll was be honest just, just wink no. i yeah. would not i wouldn't square up to eunice because no yeah. he, he'd flatten he anyone in his he's way. huge so we're looking for a smaller man i'm thinking aaron lennon <laughs> no. But my, my, no, next, no. my next question kind of links. Andros, no. During that time, he did, you mentioned Andros, he did, from as a fan perspective, sort of freeze out players because of the, the reasons you mentioned. What was it like for like you and Harry who were putting it in? Do you kind of like sit and gossip, like sort of, always done this? And, or we, I mean, what do you do as players when this is going on, where you see it kicking off in a dressing room or in training? No, I mean, it's, it's part of football. It, it really is. I mean, so much goes on in dressing rooms that, that no one sees, and that's what you want. That's, that's, what, that's emotion. That's, that's when you know people want to win. They, they want to work on that. And um, I think sometimes people come in from games when they've lost, and it, it not affect them. And obviously, for me, Harry, they, they, obviously Andros, Andros really cared about the football club. It wasn't acceptable for, for us to lose and come in at, at full time and, and be laughing and joking around. And if people were doing that, we'd... We'd, we'd stop it. them. We, yeah. we wouldn't have it. And um, I mean, it was strange because me, me, Harry, Andrews, we hadn't really played much of Spurs, but we kind of we were the senior players there. We we took team talks. We we done a lot of the speaking, and uh, we had a lot of responsibilities on our shoulders from like straight away, really. And that's what you assume that responsibility. You took it on yourselves. No one nominated you for that, right? But you no, thought yeah. we've got someone's got to do this. We've been here since we were small, since we were children. And we actually really care about this and we're going to take it on, right? Yeah, I think, the, I think it depends what kind of person you are. I think yeah. uh, a lot of people don't like that responsibility. Yeah. Some people are quiet. I mean, everyone's different. People have yeah. got different character, characteristics and, and stuff like that. But me, I, I wanted to win. I wanted to play for Spurs. I cared yeah. about the club. Same with Harry and just all, all the young kids that come through. And um, I think that's probably why, that's probably why the gaffer... Why he had faith in you? One of the reasons, anyway. Apart yeah, from the fact I, you're a good player. I mean, the way the way the gaffer wanted to play is it's no good having someone who's played 500 games in the Premier League if, if they're if they're not going to put the work in yeah. and, and not play for the they're team. No longer and, motivated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but what's fascinating about it is you said you know we had Sherwood immediately before we had AVB before that, you know, and any number of other people before. That. I mean, we had Harry and everything. And you said that uh, the, the previous managers hadn't stood up to certain players and certain bad eggs, as you put it. And what's interesting is that there seemed to be a chemical thing going on. So you got Pochettino on the one end, but you also had you two emerging at the same time. And you wonder, could either side have done it without the other? Or, you know, could Pochettino... Because there was a moment in Pochettino's first season in the autumn, and we all remember it. I think it was a Stoke at home, and we lost. I think it was just before an international break. And you're thinking, this isn't going to work, I don't think. He seems like a good guy, but he can't get it out of this team. They don't feel... And he did turn it around after that uh, international break. And you wonder, could he have done it without you guys? And could you guys have done it without him? Or maybe it was this kind of perfect storm. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. The job the Gaffer's done at, at Tottenham Football Club is incredible. Yeah. It, it really is. In, in such a short space of time, I mean, obviously, now I think the... 
the expectation levels have probably gone up a notch, but if you think where the club were before the Absolutely. gap had come in, yeah. we, we challenged for the title for a couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, Champions League football three years on the bounce, finishing yeah. above it's dream that lot down the we road. We never thought I it mean, was possible. Just, yeah. Yeah, so I think the, the patience, the, the faith has got to stay with him because it's, it's not easy to, to go into a big club with, with big players, big personalities yeah. and, and take them on. And yeah. um, that, that's the gaffer's way of working. He, yeah. he doesn't favour people just because they've played a lot of games. He, he judges the team on training and uh, you, have to, you have to merit your spot in his team. And mm. um, I agree, I do agree that me, Harry, the young lads were, were pivotal in that because... Mm. I think if we weren't there, it probably would have been easy for, for the players to sack it off and just get the next one in. Yeah. Because the gaffer's training is so demanding. I mean, if you're a 30, 31-year-old who's had it easy for, for five, yeah. ten years and this gaffer comes in and expects you to do double sessions and, yeah. and run and, and do gym, then it's, it's, it's a bit of a shock to the system. And yeah. a lot of people don't want to come out of their comfort zone. Do you remember that Stoke game that I referred to, the one where we lost at home and then there was an international break? I think the game after that might have been that Villa away game when Kane scored the late winner from the free kick and that's when it seemed to turn. Do you remember that particular I think, time? I think the turn was the Villa game. That, yeah. The turn was the Villa game, yeah. to be honest, because I, I think we were probably sitting sixth or seventh in the table. Yeah. There probably was a little bit of pressure under him because yeah. he just brung me into the team. Yeah. He, he brung Harry into the team. Well, no, I don't think Harry was in it at that point, but he was playing the young lads who hadn't really played much. And um, I mean, he, he was going a different way about it, but yeah. that, that result, I think, gave everyone a lot of belief. Because it, it feels now like a pivotal moment in, in the club's history almost. Because as you say, all these things that he's doing now, he's achieving now, you know, regular Champions League, actual t- tilts at the title, things that we thought were, would never happen again. There was that, that particular few weeks almost. It could have gone either way, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. like I say, it, it could easily have gone the other way. Um, yeah. That's football. That, yeah. that is literally football. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a results business. And yeah. If you don't get results quickly, then... Um, and you've got to stick at it. And well, well, I, I remember he brought in, obviously, the, 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 the Knott's Forest game, the League Cup, scored a great goal. And then he started you again. It was away at Arsenal, wasn't it? He played really well. Away at Arsenal. As a Spurs man through and through, we talked about certain players. What, what do you... I mean, you talk about rivals. Let's talk about Arsenal. You, you know, you, you've got... Do you, do you see other players, maybe foreign players who don't understand the British way, who... Do they all get the rivalry that fans get with playing Arsenal this weekend? This is the most important game of the season. Or do you all kind of go, it's three points. You know, it doesn't mean any more than this. What's it like in the dressing room? Between the, you know, those big London, before those big London games? I think you, you can feel it. You can feel it from the atmosphere around the stadium, the, the fans, the, the build-up. It, it is the biggest game of the season against Arsenal. You, you don't want to lose against them. And um, luckily for me, I, I played against them four times and I never lost. So. Great! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, now I think, um, I'll be honest, I think we probably don't like Chelsea more than Arsenal because um, I mean obviously there's been a couple of big games against them and and a lot's happened I think um, we've we've obviously had some decent results against Arsenal in the last few years and um, I mean that the Arsenal the Chelsea the West Ham them games they're massive you know the the London derbies it's funny you mentioned Chelsea because that season for me you mentioned that Stoke and Villa for me the game that I saw the shift was that Chelsea game 5-3. Yeah, after so New Year's Day. After New Christmas, Day. yeah. New Year's Day. Amazing game, yeah. Well, and you mentioned Harry, and obviously you're very close to Harry and, and sort of growing up for the team. To me, that was the game where... I think We've he arrived. Really, he came of age and arrived. Yeah. Do, do, after the game where you won an extraordinary game like that, and you're going and you're chatting privately, do, do you know at the time what this kind of means as, you know, this is a pivotal moment, or, or, or don't you? you just think it's another game? I think it's belief. I think that's what it, it gave the lads. Uh, it was funny because I remember me and Harry were sitting in the ice bath the, the day before that game and Harry was saying, um, I want to score against a big team. I've not, I've not scored against any of the big boys yet. And um, he, went, he went and scored two that next day. I think it was New Year's Day, that game. Um, yeah. I, we, I went around his and we had dinner together. We had a bit of pasta. 
his, his Mrs. Kate cooked it for us. No dessert, straight, though. No, I'll tell him it's no dessert. <laughs> strange. And um, obviously that game, Harry scored two. He had an unbelievable game. We, we started with five lads from the academy that day, um, five English lads as well. So it, it was a massive moment. I remember coming in and, and everyone just... We just had this belief that, yeah, like what we're doing is right and we're only going to get better. And you're thinking, we've beaten Chelsea, we went on to win the league, we've put five past them, we've done all that with Fazio in the team. <laughs> you say that, Fed has gone on to play a no, Champions yeah, League final. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I've just gone for a cheap laugh there, yeah. Fazio's a lovely it, it, It'll be in this book, it'll yeah. be in the it'll book. Be in the Don't book. That season, you mentioned sort of Chelsea's stuff, in Potch's first season, we, we got to the League Cup final against Chelsea and started well in that game. But, but lost. Do you, as players, as sometimes us as fans who pick over every minutia of every moment, do you realise then that... Do you, do you see it as it's just bad luck or do you realise that we're just not quite there yet? Maybe even sort of mentally. Yeah, I think, it, uh, I think at that point it was probably a case of not being ready. Um, I mean, we had chances in that game. The first 20 minutes, I remember Christian hit the bar with a free kick... We had a couple of other openings and I think if we would have gone 1-0 up then mentally it would have been completely different because like you say we knocked five past them literally two months earlier so I think psychologically that would have done us very good and I mean once they went 1-0 up they, it was a Mourinho performance I yeah. mean they, they sat in they made it ugly and, It sounds uh, familiar doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because like, it sounds a lot like the semi-final recently, right? Yeah, it is. But, I mean, it's his way of winning. Yeah. Every manager does it differently. Yeah. Every team does it differently. And he's been very successful over the years. Yeah. It, it, it's strange because when you come in against playing a, a side that Mourinho sets up for you, you always feel like, oh, we should have done more. We, mm. we was in the game. We had so much possession. But mm. a lot of the time, they are actually in control of the game. Mm. Um, but that, that final itself, I thought the first 20 minutes were massive. We... We had, like I say, we had a lot of chances, and I think if we had took if we had took one of them, then it, it maybe have been different. But we were gutted. Obviously, we come in, we lost, we lost the cup final, and it was awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that season also, you got your in in the Spurs first team, your first taste of European football. What's that like as a player? Because I mean, you know, you speak to sort of older players before, you know, Sky and BT Sports. You literally sharp at these grounds unknown. Is it? Do you, is there a difference as a player now playing in European games or do you sort of take it in your stride? I think you have to take it in your stride because it, it's just like a normal away game. You, you train the day before, you get on a plane, you, you go to the stadium, you have a look. I mean, sometimes you'll train at the stadium the day before, you're going to a hotel, have food, you sleep, you'd rest, and then you just turn up the stadium and, and play the game. I think uh, European football is, is a lot different to the Premier League. It's... Um, it's a different way of playing it. Obviously, the pitches aren't as good a lot of the time. Um, the grass is different. The, the balls are different. The, the team's set out different. So it's a totally different way of playing football. You then signed, I think at the end of that season, a five-and-a-half-year contract at Spurs and got your call-up for England for the first time. How does that work? Did you get a phone call, or how does it work when you know you, you, you get a call-up to play for England? Well, the gaffer, the, the gaffer at Spurs, he, he was the man who, who revealed it to me. So because what, he, call, he calls you in? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they call him rather than call you? Yeah, no, um, they speak to the club and, and ask if I'm fit, and um, right. the gaffer, I mean, not all gaffers do this, he, he wanted to be the one to, right. to tell me, so... Right. He kept it quiet. He called me up to his office and him... Hey, do, you think, do you think that, oh, I've done something wrong? Yeah, I, I can't remember what I was thinking. He's probably going to show me a clip on the weekend uh, that I should have done something. But, um, yeah, he said to me, obviously, I'd been called up to the England squad. And it's great because the South Americans have a, have a different culture about and they have a completely different way of life. And um, they're not afraid to show their emotion. They... Mm. He gave me a massive cuddle, a big kiss. Mm. He said he loves me, and mm. I mean, I mean stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean stuff like that. Sometimes we, with us English, we yeah. we try and prove we're hard, we're, yeah. we're tough, and um, it, it was strange because yeah. uh, the gaffer at Spurs was, was giving me a big hug. It, it, yeah. it was bizarre, but that, that's just his way of working, yeah. and that's the way he makes his players play for him. Yeah, the fo- the following season. I know we've touched on it already. We, we obviously, you know, we famously finished third. And right up to that 
Chelsea away game. We, 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 were, in, we were in a title race. We were absolutely in a title race. Looking back, do you think that season, we, we started that season poorly. Uh, we lost to Man United early on, draws with Stoke, Leicester and Everton. You actually, in fairness, got that season running. We, we mentioned earlier that Suns and away game. As players, do you, do you realise this is it, we're, we're, we're in for a shout? Or is it that cliche, you know, if, you know one game at a time? No, we, we wanted to win it. We, we thought we were going to win it. We, we thought Leicester would, would fade off. I think a lot of teams, I think everyone in the country probably thought that it's going to be a game too far for Leicester. They're, they're going to mess up. And strange because I think, I think everyone wanted Leicester to win instead of Tottenham. Yeah. Um, it, the Chelsea game wasn't the end of it because if we would have won that, there's no way in a million yeah. years that they would have beat Leicester on the final day of the season. It, it was the West Brom game at home where yeah. that, that was it. We drew against them and um, I mean, it was over then. But the whole season, we, we believed we were better than them. We, we felt like we were better than them. And um, it was just a bizarre... It was just so a bizarre... L- losing bizarre that losing home game, the home that game week. with Leicester, that, one that was nil. a terrible Oof. one, wasn't it? It was, was a, it was a big yeah. one to because lose. It, I think at the time, no one really built it up as a Didn't realise how important it was, yeah. It, it was massive. We had chances in that game. I remember yeah, Harry, Harry hit the bar when he, I mean, he probably should have scored and then Hoof scored that header. So yeah. it, it, was a, it was a big killer for us. And yeah. um, we always still believe that we you would catch, catch them, them yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you, you look at a fixture list, you see Leicester away at Watford and you plan, think they're going to get yeah. done this weekend. And you just think, it's Leicester. I, I mean, think it was thing. just one of those things. It, it was a fairy tale. I mean, yeah. fair play to them. They they, like they won it the fair stars. and square. They they I think yeah. they only lost a couple of games that season. And yeah. I mean, it's a remarkable going, achievement. Yeah. And after that, to the Chelsea game, we fell away. And obviously, the famous Newcastle defeat. And you know, Pochettino. I don't know if you read his book. You know, the book that he couldn't get over that for the whole of the summer. What's it like as players when you come back into a dressing room? after a game like that and, and the manager what's, what's said between you and the coaches and, and, and fellow players nothing honestly I think that was probably one of the only occasions where we literally just sat there in silence because no one had a leg to stand on to be honest we, we got absolutely battered it wasn't good enough it was nowhere near good enough and um, no one had enough in them to, to call someone else out because no one could everyone performed terrible on that day I mean Newcastle were relegated and um, yeah I think uh, I think how I think everyone's minds weren't in the right place uh, there was a major tournament that summer um, we thought we'd turn them over and um, we just got our work I mean the, the, the following season then you became Hull City's biggest ever signing we've had many sort of ex-Spurs players here real, like you real Spurs fans you know, who sort of tell quite awful stories about being let go. What, what was the story for you? How did that come about? How were you told? Talk us through that. Oh, I'll be honest with this one. I'm going to save a lot of it for the book because I think, um, I mean, I don't see the point in saying it now because there's a lot of stuff that happens in transfers and things that people don't see, don't realise that goes on behind the scenes. And I think mine probably was one of those cases. It got to the point where... I, I went and said to the gaffer that, that I want to go, I need to go, I need to play. Um, I, it, something, it, it just didn't feel right, you know, I think... Um, you didn't think you were playing enough, it enough was, games It was nothing, it wasn't the gaffer, it was just... Um, I felt like my value at the club had been sucked away from me. I mean, I come through the system and I captained the team that the season before and I felt like I probably should have been treated a better way. I should have been valued because... I felt a massive part of the squad. I was a massive part of the squad. I know I was. I was, I was a big character in the changing room and, and everyone knew that. And um, I just found it hard to, to get over some certain things that I didn't believe should have happened. And um, in the end, if, if mentally you're not 100% on, on something, then it's very difficult to, to perform because that I tried to get over it in pre-season, the whole pre-season, and it just, it just wouldn't leave me. Um, so then I went and spoke to the gaffer and we had a good conversation. We spoke for a long time and he, he said, don't go, I don't want you to go. You'll play, you'll, you'll get games. But he said, I'm not going to stand in your way. If you want to go out, if you want to get games, you, you want to play, then, then, then that's completely fine. And, um, so, what, so what do you do at that stage? You obviously say to your agent, look, I, I'm, you know, if the right offer comes in, or do the club go, you're under contract, we deal with it all. How does it work? 
No, there was, um, there was a lot of speculation that summer. There was a lot of clubs that come in for me and me and the gaffer, we spoke and I said, I'm not leaving. I, I'm not going. I, didn't, I never intended to leave Spurs. That, that wasn't what I wanted. And um, like I say, it got to that point where it was, it was two days before the transfer window shut and I phoned my agent. I just said, Dean, uh, can you get me a club? I, I want to go out. I want to play games. I need to play. I need to, I need to go. And um, at that Do you point... Think you were that age. You were that age now... I'm ready. I know I'm fit. I'm I'm there. I want to, you know, you want to play football. Yeah. Well, I was 25. Uh, I needed to play football. I wanted to play football. I wanted to play football in my position. I I, I went to hold to play as an attacking midfielder as a number 10, and that was sold to me as um, when I when I met with the gaffer. And this is this is another thing that a lot of people don't see. I, I went and spoke to him. He said, "Yeah, you're going to play as a number 10." My first game was a number 10. Scored away against Stoke. Next game a number 10. I, I got an assist. Then after that straight back to defensive centre mid so that's a, that's a lot of stuff that happens in, in football that you have to deal with and that's completely part of the game it, it was tough to take because I'd left a team that were challenging for the title that season playing unbelievable football Champions League football I, I, I chose to go to a, a whole city side who, who were fighting for relegation but I felt for, for me personally I, I would shine um, I'll be honest, the first couple of months I found it quite difficult because the gaffer, he didn't really have no method. It was, it was a bit off the cuff. Who's uh, the manager? Mike Feelan. Mike Feelan. So oh, it, it was difficult. Um, then Marco Silva come in and right. it was a lot more regimented. There, there, was a, there was a style of play and I mean, I, I felt the games under Marco, I, I was probably the best player on the pitch for whole every single game and um, I felt like I, I was getting back to, to my best and we see this happen with the injury but... That, that's that's part of football. The, the managers and it's, it's really funny, as you know, all, all Spurs fans here, and when you see players leave, most players when you see go on, you just like a bit or whatever. I think most people here, we all followed your career. Hull almost became our second side. We, you know, match the day. You're you're, you're going on. Oh, I'm going to watch. Normally, fast forward Hull, but we all wanted to see how you're doing, and you did. You you started that season very very well, and funny you mentioned ironically Chelsea, and then the horrific injury happens to you which I'm assuming apart from the moment it happened you've never looked back and seeing it because it was such an awful injury what was your memory of when it when it happened because you just went to clear a it was a corner across you just went to clear a defensive header and Cahill came in and just basically headed your head yeah I mean um, obviously I remember the pain I remember everything I was conscious through through the whole I mean, 30 minutes after the injury until, until I got to the hospital, it, it was a lot of pain, there was a lot of panic. I think your body goes into, I don't know, it's a natural instinct to start protecting yourself and a lot of things, the body's crazy how it works. It, it, it fought and it, it sort of stayed working and it was pumping the blood and that, which was massive for me. And um, yeah, obviously after that, after the surgery, it, it was just a case of focusing on trying to recover as much as I could and, and get back to a normal life. Well, I mean, you're obviously conscious going into the hospital, and I read that before. I mean, you, you were rushed into the operating ho- in the operating room. You almost kind of went through a, an out of body experience. What, what can you describe that? Do you still remember that moment? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's weird. I remember everything. Um, I think as I was getting to the hospital, obviously, like everyone was panicking. It, it, Who was it, with you? Was your family at the game? Were they with you? Or? My mum was in the front of the ambulance. Right. My dad was driving to the stadium. My, my fiance Rachel, was, was up in Hull because um, she stayed up there. She, she was up there travelling down at this point. Um, my mum weren't allowed in the back uh, for safety reasons and that. And it, it was just the ambulance people and um, the doctor at, at Hull and... They all knew it was it was critical. I mean, it, it was touch and go in the ambulance. Um, they were worried. I got to the hospital, and that was when I went unresponsive, where where the oxygen don't get to your body. Basically, your brain starved of oxygen, and I think that was when I had this out of body experience. So I when mean, you say out, so I'm, I'm not a doctor, but when when you say out, when you say not responsive, would you would call it clin- were you clinically dead for a while? Is that yeah. what happened? Well, yeah, I mean, unresponsive is you, you're not breathing, you don't have right. oxygen in your body. So um, that was the case. I mean, before this, I, I'd hear people say, yeah, I, I had this out-of-body experience, this, mm. that, and you, like, you kind you, of don't believe it. But, yeah. I mean, once you experience can it, you, it, you, it was crazy, yeah. So describe it, describe it to us. No, it, was, it was just a case of, like, 
it was, it was like I was, I was kind of in the I'd say the sky I was up high I was I was looking down on myself and my partner and we had kids we had our dog and we were just wow. like running on a in a park so wow. yeah it, it was crazy I mean it's as vivid as a as a very a vivid dream, dream or, or more, than it, that. It, more than that kind of a dream but yeah. it's, it's not a dream it, it was weird because I think when you when you have a dream you're I mean, you're you're not the third person. You're not looking right. down on yourself. You're yeah. you're yeah. actually in the dream. But yeah. this was a it was it was a case of like looking down on me. It, it was weird. Wow, incredible, mm. incredible thing to have happened to you. Mm. you know? the, when you when you when you got rushed to the, the right, the, they, they took you to the right hospital. I read that the the, the 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 great neurosurgeon that does it wasn't wasn't there. It was, it was the weekend, wasn't it? It was the, yeah. it was the weekend. So. Yeah, he he was off. Um, luckily, my my doctor at Hull he he done a course that Friday at St George's Park. And that Friday, he he was given. Um, I mean, you have to go every three years to update your your license and that. And he was given a scenario of I think it was someone headbutting a. I think the goalpost and how to deal with it. What what can happen and. Um, he said the second he ran on the pitch, he knew that I fractured my my skull because I, I can't. You go into your, I think when you have a stroke, mm. muscles, everything stops working and it kind of goes. And that was the case of that. He knew that I fractured it. He knew that my brain would was damaged. And um, he drove past, I think, two hospitals that were closer to the stadium because he knew knew that I needed a neurosurgeon. And like you say, once we got to the hospital, the the specialist, he wasn't there. That to call him in, but because the bleed on my brain was so severe, that to get a, a trainer to, to cut my scalp and open me up and put the drain in my in my skull in my brain. Bloody hell! And and how how, how the, the whole rear? You know, you've had the, the operation and everything. How then slow is is the whole rehabilitation? What, what, how long were you in there? In the hospital, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was eight days. Um, when they sent me home, I, I did not feel ready to go home, but I mean, they, they said I was fine. They, they said you can go home and rest at home because at that point I was, I was sleeping for about 20, 22 hours a day. It was, it was constant. The body needed to recover. Um, so yeah, I couldn't, I got home. I couldn't have no, no noise, no light, anything. I couldn't hold a conversation and that lasted a very long time. And what was that like with your reacting with your family and for your family when you know how do you mentally get through that thing and, and be strong for your family as well and, and then be strong for you i think i probably had the easiest part of it from that sense because obviously your family they care about you a massive amount and, and when they see someone so fragile and close to death and, and in that state it's, it's a lot more difficult for them i think um from my point of view i think we're when you when you get to an elite level as a footballer, you have to come out. You have to get over so many challenges, and um, I remember I just I just see it as a challenge. You know, there, there was there was loads of boxes that I needed to tick. I mean, set myself targets, and it, it was a case of just constantly ticking them as the weeks, the months went by. And um, I mean, it took a very long time. Uh, it, it's, it's taken a long time. I still have some things that, that I struggle with when you have a major brain injury. Like it's. It's a big hit to the body, but um, it's, it's just a constant thing. What kind of thing? Is like a memory thing? or? Oh, I what? think um, like doing two things at the same time. Oh. I, I think uh, I get a bit less impatient. Oh. There, there, there's lots to it, but I think the, recover, um, the recovery that I have made has, has been remarkable from, from the incident that I had. Too right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, medically, it's, it's the end of your professional playing career, but as one door closes, another one has opened, and, and quite quickly. One, and people would see tonight, one was obviously your beginning of a media career because you're wonderful to listen from and very yeah. erudite. and Really, and, you know, you really, you really are. Really are. So engaging as well. And the other thing, and, and God bless our club and, and the people you play with, you know, you've gone back, you've gone back to Spurs now and you'll get your coaching badges. Yeah, I mean, uh, the gaffer, um, he's been great. Obviously, I, I was at the club for 18 years and I, I mean, I never really left the club. I know I went to Hull, but 
I still went out for lunch with the boys, the kit men I spoke to, every, everyone around the place. So, I mean, when, when that opportunity came, it, it, was, it was a case of just doing it. You know, I think um, I've had such a unique experience of, of coming through the club from a seven-year-old and, and going on to captain the team. I think it would, it would be a massive shame if I, if I wasn't there giving my knowledge back to the boys and hopefully helping make one or two, make that step into the first team. But if not, then hopefully get a career elsewhere in the game. So what's your, what's your role now and what do you think it could develop into? I couldn't tell you what it developed into because I, I really don't know at the moment. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I do a lot of work with the reserve team, the under-23s. I, I do some work with the 18s yeah. sometimes. I'll go, I'll go and watch the, the boys, the under-12s, 11s. And, and yeah. I'm just doing as much as I can because I think I'd be very naive to, to think just because I made it in the Premier League that, that I'd end up being a good coach. So yeah. it's just something that you've got to learn and, and take your time with. But you're, but you're in such a unique place because you were them. <laughs> Yeah, but you that's literally what I'm... twelve year old, yeah. fourteen, sixteen. Yeah. You were them. You can be the arm around the shoulder or whatever. Or don't worry, they're putting you on loan. But that's not a bad thing. I mean, that gives you such a un- unique selling point, doesn't it? In this game, definitely. I mean, that my knowledge is is unique. Like you say, I think it's very easy for ex footballers to to go and do a bit of media, mm. go and play golf, and just just have a good life. And um, I think it's a shame sometimes when we see top footballers who, who should be giving back to the game and, and helping other people and um, I've always said that if I was in that position I, I would try and help and help people make that step into first team football and um, I, I'm keen to do that you know I'm doing media um, I've not had a chance to get my golf handicap down yet because I've been so busy but listen I, I'm enjoying it I, I enjoy being out there on the pitch uh, I love football um, I mean I, I love being back at Spurs it's my home is five minutes away from me it's um it's a great environment to be around as well and um and like i say if i can if i can help pass my knowledge on and, and have an influence on some people's careers then that would give me massive satisfaction and being around the club now <laughs> being around the club now and back with the players and pochettino and all that's going around i know you you're, you're, you're not directly in there every day What's the feeling within the club and the players? Again, we've had another great season, third again, Champions League. There was obviously stuff that Mauricio came out with in his book and his press conference about being brave, the next level. What's your feeling when you speak to other players within the, within the club now that what do you think the next stage is going to be for that first team? I think to win something. I think it's no secret. Everyone at the club wants to win. There, there's winners there. There, there really is. And... Um, I think we just need to, to believe. I think um, we, we should have probably done better against United. We, we underperformed. We were very good for 20 minutes and we conceded the goal and it, it almost seemed mentally everyone kind of thought, oh no, not again. And um, that's not something you can allow to happen in, in big games, big moments in games. And um, I think all these experiences that they've had in the last couple of years, they, they will help them. I mean, there, there is some young players still that, that haven't won things and, and that hunger's there. I mean, the, there's a massive attraction to, to play for Tottenham now. I mean, the gaff is brilliant. Going into a new stadium, the way we play football is, is brilliant. And um, I mean, a, a lot of teams that, I mean, Chelsea, they won the league, then, then they finish eighth. There's, there's a lot of uncertainty and unrest at football clubs. And at the moment, Tottenham's a club where... There's a clear philosophy and there is progression. I mean, I know we didn't win anything this year. We finished third, which last year we finished second. But, I mean, it's still a big achievement. We have to, we have to appreciate the job that the players, the gaffer and everyone has done because it's not easy to finish in the Champions League in this league. You've got six teams who, yeah. who are genuine contenders to, to probably win the title. And um, we've done that three years on the bounce. Um, I see the gaffer come out and said something the other day that we were a couple of years ahead of schedule because the plan when he came into the club was Champions League football for the new stadium and I think the recent success in the league in terms of challenging for the title is, is given everyone that belief that we can win things, we can win the title and um, we should be winning trophies which too right we should with Tottenham that, that should be the case but at the same time we, we need to realise where we were three or four years ago and yeah. that wasn't the case um, He's still building something, and I'm sure that 
now the the chairman has to back him. He will back him and and bring some some top players in. So when um, Maurizio came out and in his press conference said all that about you know I need to talk to Daniel and we need to redefine our project and and. You know, the press immediately start coming out with stories like Chelsea go for Pochettino and if Real Madrid use, lose the Champions League final, it'll be off to Real Madrid. That's all nonsense. It's football. You yeah. know, I think um, as players, managers, everything. Yeah. That happens. There's always speculation. Yeah. That's, there wasn't stories in the paper every day. It'd be, It'd boring. be boring. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people make stuff up just for a story yeah. and... I think Tottenham at the moment is probably an easy target with the gaffer and yeah. and players leaving because we haven't won a trophy and I mean it, it's been non-stop for for a, a number of months if not mm. a year year or so now but I mean that's not going to stop that that's probably always going to be the case and yeah. till we win a trophy and um, that will probably shut them up for that that case but um, that's just part of the game there'll always be speculation yeah. you you never know with football things happen but. The one thing I will say about the gaffer is he's a hundred percent committed to the club. I know right. that, and um, he just he just wants he just wants that back in. He he wants that belief from everyone at the club. And um, mm. I'll be honest, the fans have been brilliant with him since mm. since he's been there. Because I mean, it, it's not easy being a Tottenham fan at times. And yeah. um, I mean, the the success that the gaffer's brung. I mean, let's not forget we've played at Wembley this year, and. Um, I think prior to the season starting, we, we would have probably said that we're going to struggle to finish top four because of the campaign we had in the Champions League there yeah. last year. And to do that away from home, I know a lot of the boys have come out and said 38 league games away from home. That is the case. That's Wembley true. is not home. Yeah. It will never be home. Um, we're going to go back to the lane next year. And um, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's going to be incredible there. The place looks amazing. And I, I know the chairman and the gaffer have been really keen to to get that feel that, that Lane always had where the fans were on top of you it was intimidating mm. it was um, it was a special football stadium well a rousing ending there we're all looking forward to the next season and Ryan what can I say it's been an absolute pleasure having you this, uh, this evening thank you so much for coming ladies and gentlemen Ryan Mason Playback Media Production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. The Spurs Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.